making no decision is making a decision. <laughs> Deciding to do nothing is a decision. But we didn't decide to do that. And none of us, we were, none of us were all in the same room at the same time when it happened, but God was there. And God gave us opportunity. And we took the opportunity. You don't know how many potential millionaires and billionaires there are in this world today that missed out on being a millionaire or a billionaire because they simply didn't take an opportunity that was presented that was right in front of them. I don't want to miss any opportunity that God has for me today. Right now. Yesterday's gone. Most of today is gone. We can't go back and redo what, we, what we've already done. And we're here right now. And so God is here right now. He, did, he, he was already here before we got here. Because God is omnipresent. Right? What's omnipresent mean? That means he's everywhere all at the same time. So you can't turn around and run from God. I've never understood somebody running from God. <laughs> you can't run from somebody that's everywhere. You can't hide from God because he's everywhere. So there's no use in hiding. There's no use in running. God knows where you're at. And he knows where he wants you to go. The decision is, do I want to go where God wants me to go? Or do I want to go where I want to go? We were just singing that song. When he rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea, what did he tell those people? Then he said, I want to lead you. Put your trust in me. Leave all that stuff behind you. Leave all your cares. Leave all your concerns. Leave all your worries. Leave all those leeks and onions and all that mess that was back there behind you. Don't ever look back at it again. It doesn't mean don't remember it, but just put it behind you. And every one of us took that step and began to go in a different direction. We did that thing called repent, that, that same term they use in a military somewhere else in the world that means about face. We turned and did an about face, didn't we? I don't ever want to go back to that, Brother Becker. I don't, there's nothing back there I want. <laughs> you know, Israel wanted to go back to leeks and onions. I've never had leeks, but I've had onions. Why would you want to go back to a diet like that? doesn't make any sense to me. Amen. God is so good to us today. He is so, so good to us. We have no idea. We really don't. And you might be sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, I do. No, you don't. You have no idea what he kept you from today. You have no idea what he has in store for you. And so we've been talking about being laborers together with God. Have we not? And so as far as I know, this, I'm going to try to button this thing up tonight. Unless I hear otherwise, as the Lord leads, if that's what he wants, I'll do it. I'm, I'm his. You know, we sing that song, I am his and he is mine. 
Yeah, he is mine. He's my savior. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my shepherd, my shield, my defense, my strong tower, my best friend. But I belong to him. He has complete control of my life. That's my desire, my wish, and my my goal every single day. God, I don't want to be in control. I don't want to make any... I, I want you to be in charge. I want... Me to go in the steps where you go, not me, you follow me where I go. Amen? Praise God. Second, well, let's go and, and read that, uh, that first scripture that we've been reading uh, throughout this long, drawn-out event. You know, you can never really, you can never really exhaust any subject in the Bible. You really can't. I could get up here for a year and talk about several subjects, and then Brother Becker could get up here for another year and talk about those same subjects, and it would be totally different. Because that's how God does things. We've been hearing the same preaching for, I have at least been for 30-something years. I've never heard the same message twice come out of the same scriptures. Because God knows how to use a man or a woman or somebody to, to speak things that, you know, when you, when you thought you had all the revelation and all the understanding of the words and, and the things of that book, you don't even have a clue. You're still sitting on top of the water in that boat. And all the revelation you don't know is underneath that water. You haven't even gotten in the water yet. You can see ocean around you for as far as you can see. That's a lot of revelation, but... There's so much more. The, the, the water's deep. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Praise God. Looks like they're having technical difficulties in the back. So we'll just drive on here. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are not for are ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith I am of Paul and another I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom we believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, and neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Does God ever stop working on us? That, and, and, and Brother Becker just said it. You better hope and pray he doesn't ever stop working on you. Making you to be what he wants you to be. Molding you and making you after his image and after his likeness. Paul prayed a prayer. Till, that he was praying that until Christ be formed in you, he said. 
Is, is there ever a point, Sister Linda, where, where God, he's finished with us and he can just set us to the side and start working on somebody else? Is there ever a point? There's not a cutoff age or anything? No. <laughs> God's never done till God's done. And mostly it's going to be until we leave this place. So I don't know about you, but I want to do whatever it is he needs for me to do to fulfill his will. Even and especially if it's not comfortable for me. And why do I say that? Well, we have some, you know, the Bible talks about this great cloud of witnesses. Now, some of us, when we hear that, we think of all these beings with big wings and, oh, and all this music in the background. These great cloud of witnesses, some of them, most of them were bloodied and beaten and hung upside down and, and went through all kinds of, excuse the expression, hell for the sake of the kingdom. Am I telling you the truth? So for us to think that we, as we are called by Paul and by the Lord who spoke these words to Paul, labors together with God, for us to think that we're going to get out somehow of having to go through some of the things that these people went through is ludicrous. Okay? Second Corinthians 1, 3-11 Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in our tribulation. He doesn't get us out of our tribulation. He comforts us in our tribulation. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Who is he talking to in this scripture? The church. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, did Christ have to suffer? He suffered many things for our sakes. I mean, it's just too gruesome to even, there's no way we could imagine it. But his, his face was marred beyond recognition and his back looked like a plowed field, somebody said. And none of us has suffered even anything close to that. Not even remotely close. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, Paul talking to the church and talking about himself and his fellow laborers, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. The sufferings and the consolation. What's consolation? That's just, it's going to be okay. That's what consoling someone. Okay? Verse 6, And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Whether we have to go through some stuff or not, whether we get consoled or comforted or not, Paul is saying, if we're doing this, we're going through this for your benefit. Because you're going to go through some sufferings and you're going to need to be consoled. And so we're, we're not doing something 
We're not asking you to do something that we ourselves are not involved in. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing he's talking to fellow laborers that are, as you are partakers of the sufferings, we're going to be partakers of sufferings if we're doing what God is directing us and telling us to do in this life. As you are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye be also of the consolation. That God's comforting strength. Paul had to go through some stuff. Peter had to go through some stuff. All these people had to go through some, some serious stuff. Being stoned and all these things. But God, throughout all of that, he was with them. He didn't get them out of it. He was just with them through it. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, for that we were pressed pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. What does it mean when you're despaired of life? Does that almost sound like to you that somebody's almost feeling like life ain't worth living? Despaired of life? The things that they went through made them feel like a prophet one time that said, Oh, there's nobody else but me, God. Just kill me now. (laughs) Right? Have we got to that place where we have done all that we could do for the kingdom and it just seems like all we ever do is just get beat up. We just despair for life. Have any of us been through that? But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in the God which raiseth the dead. If it's God's will for me to die for the kingdom, then so be it. He's the one that raises from the dead. That's his business. My business is to do the will of him that sent me. Isn't that what Jesus said? Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver. He's still delivering us. Did he deliver Paul from death? Many times. In whom we trust that he will let yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us. Do we need to pray for one another? Are there people in this room, Sister Linda, that are going through stuff that we have no clue what they're going through? Right here in this room. Much less out there. There are people out there that are going through some stuff. Change mics. Okay. So being laborers together with God comes with a a consequence. This is just not some lofty thought that, you know, those people... Testament church had to go through all this stuff so we don't have to. <laughs> they paid a high price. Jesus paid a debt for us. And it should thrill us to no end to do whatever it is he wants us to do. To lay aside our will. To lay aside our plans. To lay aside our dreams and visions. 
say that you shouldn't have dreams and visions, not to say that you you can't take care of lives and, and do the necessary things, but everything that we do needs to be premised on what is it God would have me to do. Because I promise you, if you will get into the will of God and what He has for you to do, you won't have to worry about having time to do the stuff you want to do. He will make time for you to do that. It's it's God's word. What does that scripture say? Seek something. Seek ye first. could fill in the blank right there. Like that missionary's wife in Europe when when she was worried about her kids coming home to the States and going to college and and God just said, if you'll just love the things and take care of the things that I love, I'll take care of the things that you love. And you know what? She did. You know why? Because she said, okay, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to cast that care on you. I'm not even going to about it, I'm going to focus my attention like a flint on doing your will in this country, and I'm not going to worry about my kids, and that's hard to do for a mother. It's about near impossible to be a mother. I can remember being concerned, I won't use that other word, the W word, when my kids got to that age where I knew Brother Baker, they were going to have to make their own decisions. God, I gave them to you, and I dedicated them to you, and they're yours. Their decisions are their decisions. I gave them every tool. I put every tool in the toolbox I could think of. I didn't always listen. But I did the best I could. To, 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 to surround them with apostolic people and apostolic things and functions and services and all those things that were in my home. And, and to this day, thank God, they are still walking with the Lord.
Real, isn't it?
Where does the cross that we have to bear come from? From Him. So, since I'm as different and unique, because I have hair and you don't. Well, you have hair, you just don't have as much as I do. And God, in His sense of humor, probably start making mine fall out tomorrow. As a joke. No, He probably won't. But as unique as all of us are in this room, every one of our crosses... It's going to be as unique and different as each other's. The cross you have to bear is not going to be the same cross I have to bear. Because he's... You're just feeling like you're going through hell on earth. That's Maybe that's because that's part of your cross. And we need to realize that that's what that is and just gladly. He knows what we have need of. Sometimes it's not what we think. That's not talking about stuff that you want. When he says he knows what we have need of, he What did he tell his disciples when he gave them that great commission? Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Making disciples of men.
We cannot look at anyone and say, oh, they're not worthy. Look at them. God would never love that. How do you know? He loves everybody. And they just need an opportunity to know that he loves them. Just because he loves everybody doesn't mean they know that. We're the ones that are supposed to let them know, hey, God loves you. And he just wants you to love him back if you'll let him. He does. You don't know who you're standing next to. Why are we sent? This is answered very simply. It's our mission. It's our co-mission, right? Our co-mission, commission, the great commission. And that one thing right there needs to be our sole purpose and goal in life. It's all about the kingdom of God. If we're, if we are subjects in a kingdom, in, in reality, in real life, subjects in a kingdom are supposed to help the king increase his kingdom. Right? And Jesus said for us to pray this prayer. That he would send forth laborers into the harvest. How many of us are praying that every day? Every day you need to pray that. We were commanded to pray it. And do you, how you know? You know, I don't even think we realize sometimes how 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 powerful our prayer life is. You look back at the Bible. From Pharaohs to you name it to, to Mordecai and, and all those people praying for, for Esther to go before the king. Do you think that God is using our prayers to, to touch the lives of leaders and people? What did, what did Jesus tell Paul? To turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. How do you do that? It's going to be through prayer. In this partnership and relationship with our Father, it is Him working in and through us as we willingly submit our will, our heart, our mind to His plan, His purpose, and His will. It's not something nebulous or unattainable or unreachable. And we will not reach the place where He wants us to be under our own power. Not by might, nor by power, but by His Spirit. By listening to His Spirit. Everything that he is asking us to do will seem impossible. And that's by design. Because to you it is impossible. But with God, finish that, all things are possible. If God's leading, if he's telling you to do it, you're going to look at it and go, "This is." if I do this, I'm going to look like a fool. If I do this, God, it's, this is going to happen. We're trying to predict what God already knows the end of the thing. Just go do what he asked you to do. You know, Paul, he completely left behind everything. He was a scholar. He was a, a Pharisee. He was was top dog in the Pharisee club or whatever you want to call it. And that well, on that day, on that road, just like in our life, there came a day, you know, you, you say to yourself, someday... This is going to happen. Someday I'll join the army. <laughs> but all of a sudden, one day, you're standing there at the, at, at the 
at, you're standing there with your hand up in the air with a bunch of other guys, and you're going, I swear to uphold the Constitution. You, you know, and all of a sudden you're there, and you're standing there saying those words, and you're thinking, what am I doing? <laughs> and they're over there thinking, gotcha. <laughs> Got my quota for the month. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it was. I almost joined the Marine Corps until I heard, overheard the re, Marine Corps recruiter using that word to another buddy of his. Because me and a buddy of mine in high school were going to join the Marine Corps. And he was mumbling to his buddy, I think I'm going to get my quota this month. Me and my buddy got in the car to leave, and he looked at me and said, Do you, did you hear him say that? I said, yeah, I heard him say that. So we called him up when we got home and said, eh, never mind. He had taken us out to lunch. He took us to a movie. He spent money. Sorry. <laughs> Learn to keep your mouth shut. Thank God I didn't join the Marine Corps. Because I'd have never met that lady back there. Hallelujah. Jesus. He's so good. Paul's life was never the same. Everything he did after that was completely according to what the Holy Ghost told him to do. He... He learned after sitting there three days blind and, and not eating anything. He learned. God was working on him. And God might have to make you go through some stuff to get your attention. But he wants your attention. And he, he's not going to make you work for him. He is not going to do that. He's a gentleman. He will wait for you to decide. I just that scripture that says, God, I will not always strive with men. I don't know. I don't want to be found in myself in that place where he just kind of like, okay, I'll find somebody else. Do you? Mark twelve twenty-eight to 34. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love, or agape, the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like... Namely, this, thou shalt agape, love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. With all of your heart, with all your inner man, with everything that's in you, your emotional nature, the seed of your feelings and desires and passions and emotions, with all your soul, the very being that God himself breathed into you, you're giving all of that back to him. With all your mind, that's your intellect, your nature, your thoughts, your, with the full exercise of everything that's in you. That's what he's saying in this scripture. Everything. What does everything mean? What? Everything. <laughs> that's revelation. Everything is everything, just like all is all. And you gotta love your neighbor as you love yourself. Not as you love God, but you loved yourself enough to get saved, didn't you? You loved yourself enough to say, I, I need Jesus. And we gotta love them enough. Are we capable, Sister Linda, of loving people on our own? Out of our own will? Nope. No way. 
It's not in me to love some people. I'm not going to go there. But it's not in me. There, there's some people that I can think of right now, and it's not in me to love them. That's the last thing I want to do in my flesh. But that's why I need his love, his agape. That's why I need his love being shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost, because that's the love they need to feel. Because I'm not capable of loving them on my own. Neither are you. Romans 13, 8 through 11. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation, so I don't think any of y'all have that. Don't owe anything to anyone except your outstanding debt to continually love one another. For the one who learns to love has fulfilled every requirement of the law. Wow. For the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and every other commandment can be summed up in these words. Love and value others the same way you love and value yourself. Love makes it possible, impossible to harm another. So love fulfills all the law requires. To live like this is all the more urgent for time is running out and you know it is strategic hour in human history. It's a strategic hour in human history right now, is it not? That scripture in the King James says it is now it is high time. It's high time. Now is it's high time right now. It is time for us to wake up. This is what the Passion Translation says. For our for our full salvation is nearer than when we had first believed. It's not just enough to for me to say, Well, I'm saved, rest of you're on your own. That's not the way it's supposed to work. I don't want to be judged for saying that or thinking that. I want to be judged for having done everything I could do. Are we prepared to settle for normal church? Are we prepared to settle for ho-hum mundane services? Or are we hungry for the power and authority of God to operate among us every single time we come together? There are hungry people out there, Sister Linda. There are hungry people out there. The ones that we will eventually come in and among us and and the ones we don't want and and they're they're not looking for religious exercises. There's plenty of that out there. They don't want that. They aren't looking for empty calories, if you will. The hungry don't want empty calories. They want something that will stick to their ribs. We've got that. They need the power of God to be manifested so that they can feel what God... I can't tell you how many testimonies I've heard that I don't know what it was, but I know I felt God in that place. People that have never been around this, even me, I said the same thing. I don't know what this is, but I feel something. And then it's not the air conditioning. How are we going to bind the strong man in the lives of people? There's a scripture in the Bible that says, No man can enter a strong man's house, Mark 3.27, and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man. And then he will spoil his house. 
We're not going to bind him with complacency. We're not going to bind him with mediocrity, religious exercise, but effectual fervent prayer, the Bible says, of the righteous man availeth much. Intercession and travail, binding and loosing, that's what's going to get the job done. Do you know that those keys that Jesus said that he was given to Peter? Do you know that we have those keys? Do you know that? If you have the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name, you've got those same keys. You've got that same power to bind and loose. That's what he said. And whatever you bind on earth will already have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will already have been loosed in heaven. We have that. We just don't realize it sometimes. Second Corinthians 10, 1 through 5. Now I, Paul, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and in base among you, but being absent and bold toward you, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with you, with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as we as if we walked according to the flesh. Like Paul and his 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 guys that he was ministering with the, as as if the, the people thought, well, they're just walking in the flesh, they're just doing whatever they want to do. And Paul says this, for though we walk in the flesh, this is us right here. We don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. War, warfare, weapons, what is that? Prayer. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. You're not going to defeat that with this. No way. Or this. You will not do that. You will get beat up. So it's talking about waging war. Amen? Every soul matters to God. I'm going to read something. Okay? I will never forget the day what I was in the sanctuary praying, and I began to pray specifically for African people. I started praying for various African countries and declaring souls to be one from those countries that lived within the city of Denver, Colorado. A couple of weeks later, during a Sunday service, in, in walked a man who was a refugee from the Democratic Republic of Congo who had arrived months before in our city. He found us on the Internet as we were the closest UPCI church to his residence. We found out he was a licensed minister with the UPCI and got displaced due to the war and sent here to the U.S. We gladly welcomed him as our own, and, as soon, and he soon began to invite other Congolese people to our church from within our city. We have baptized many Congolese people as a result, and many of have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. One day, while cleaning, the Lord reminded me of my prayer that day in the sanctuary, and that he not only sent David to our church through those prayers, but a few of others from the countries of Uganda and Jamaica during that season as well. Oh, the power of winning souls first through prayer. 
The scripture says in First John, First uh, John five fourteen, this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, that's the key. According to His will, He hears us. He will. His will is to seek and to save the lost. He will do just that when we pray focused, intentional prayers for those souls to be one without within our city. On another occasion. We had our weekly ladies' prayer meeting. While I was praying at the altar, I kept having a vision in my mind of Indian ladies in their long, beautiful dresses and their saris. The vision and burden would would not go away. So I finally got up and asked the ladies to help me pray for the Indian people and that I felt God wanted us to intercede for this group within our city. The following week, I was out walking my dog. A lady was about to pass me on the sidewalk. And we exchanged small talk. Any of us could do that. She was new to the country, so I gave her my number and invited her to come to my house sometime. I called her the following Sunday to see if she would like to to attend church and make some new friends. So she came and everyone showed her love. Come to find out she was from Bangladesh and as a Muslim. We have become close friends and have had many great times together with her family. They have spent holidays with us, come to our services, and help with our nursery and food bank ministries. While sitting on the floor one evening in their house for dinner, as is their custom, I almost burst into tears as the Lord reminded me that all that began the day in, that day in the altar by praying for those Indian people. My heart leaped for joy, knowing that this is indeed throughout, through intercessory prayer that we First, win souls. Will you pray intentional prayers for the nations within your city and declare those souls to be saved? First Timothy 2, 3 through 4 tells us, For this is the good and acceptable in the sight of God our, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Have we prayed for those in our city? We prayed for the Hmong people. Specifically, has God laid a burden on your heart and you didn't do anything about it? I didn't read. I read that really. That really convicted me when I read that this morning, and, and it, I felt like God prompted me read that tonight because I think we needed to hear that. We needed to hear that. What are we doing with our time? Are we praying? Are we fasting? Are we doing whatever is necessary for the kingdom? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if I was a soul out there, I'd want this church to be praying. If I was a drunkard, if I was a prostitute, if I was a young man getting ready to get out of jail and had no 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 prospects for a job or anywhere to live, I'd want somebody in a church somewhere to be praying for me. And you know what? Somebody like that, it might take. One of us doing something like inviting them to our home. Because it's really not your home, by the way. Just so you know, it's his. We're just stewards. It's not your car. I know you're driving it. It's in your name. I know. Mine too. I like that 64 Impala in my garage. But if he wants to take that away from me, 
He can have it. If that's what he tells me to do, I'll do it. Do you hear that, Sister Parker? <laughs> he said, give it to me. Hallelujah. Praise God. But none of it belongs to us. And what is it? The Bible says that neither, what did Paul say? Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. My life doesn't matter to me if I'm not doing what Jesus is asking me to do. I don't know about you folks, but I'm, this is, this lesson has been tearing me up. And if it's not tearing you up, you need to go pray. You need to go fast or something. Because we, he didn't save us to sit in a building. I'll never forget that it was a some, one of those pastors in Texas, Dallas or somewhere. If I said his name, you'd know who I was, who I'm talking about. He he got so convicted about the fact that his church wasn't bringing anybody in that he canceled church for like two months. And he told the whole church, and it wasn't a small church. I don't want none of you coming back here till you win at least ten people, or something like that. I don't know the exact details of it, but that's essentially what he did. Because he, he felt like God's telling him, you're getting comfortable. I want you out of here. Don't ever come, don't come back here for two months. I'm sure people were going, looking at their wives like, what are we going to do? Guess what happened? They had, a, they had a harvest. It worked. Why did it work? Because God told him to do it. So God's talking to us. I'm done. Everybody say hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, tough crowd in here. (laughs) Tough crowd. Let's all stand. I, I set myself up for that. I know. I know.